Um, I don't know. I think it's the same as everyone. There's a lot of questions. You know, I can only say my personal opinion. I don't, I don't like it, and you know, hopefully it doesn't happen. Hello there. My name is Dan Reed. Welcome to another episode of Not For Me Clive, brought to you by Man Market. Back in May of 2020, in the midst of the pandemic, as football was in a, a worldwide state of hibernation, Mike McGrath, a journalist at the Daily Telegraph, was made aware of a growing number of reports of Premier League footballers taking sleeping pills, which, when combined with alcohol, produces a legal high that wouldn't appear on WADA's list of banned substances. After careful investigation, Mike wrote an exclusive article for The Telegraph, which was headlined, Fears over footballers mixing sleeping pills with alcohol to get legal high. In March of this year, 2021, a report was undertaken by a tabloid newspaper, which uncovered that the issue Mike had written about almost 12 months earlier included an unnamed England international. The report went as far to say that there were scores of Premier League footballers that were at that time addicted to sleeping pills. Now, a few weeks back, Mike quote tweeted his original article and expressed that the problem he was writing about back in March of 2020 was still a cause of genuine concern for footballers at the top level. So, I contacted Mike and asked him if he'd be willing to come on Man Marking and discuss with me and you, the listener, what appeared from the outside to be a potentially alarming issue for the professional game. And we also took the opportunity to talk about an article that Mike wrote following the death of Jeremy Whiston and it was uh, highlighting some of the inadequacies in in youth football when it came to the well-being of young footballers. So I'm now going to hand you over to Mike for the start of today's episode. Yeah, my my name's Mike McGrath. Um, I'm a football reporter for the Daily Telegraph um, and and that's about it really. (laughs) That's my intro. To be fair, it's probably more than I've got. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, yeah, not 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 too shabby. Um, so th- this episode's come about then, Michael, after an article that you wrote, which is which was all about uh, quite an alarming issue that seems to be going sort of a little bit underreported, I think, with regards to um, sleeping pills and, and 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 that type of thing in football. So for people who who are listening who aren't aware of of what the article was about or haven't read it, could you just give them a kind of an overview of what it was all yeah. about? Well, I'd I, I start uh, from from right at the beginning, actually, because it was it was in May when we published the article about sleeping pills, um, and, and the article is about them being um, recreationally taken by uh, by players, um, and it came about during lockdown. Actually, at the beginning of lockdown, a lot of our work there was no football on. A lot of our work was how uh, players are dealing with lockdown how they'll return, uh, whether, you know, what, what condition they'll be in and who will deal with it best. So it was, it was quite interesting because my my initial thought was that um, the old players w- wouldn't take to Project Restart really well because there's no crowd. Um, the young ones will be, um, will be you know, really, uh, will be the, the ones that, that really flourish without the pressure and, and things like that. So, so we're all kind of talking about this. And, um, and then it turns out that some of the people that speak, spoke to us actually, actually the, 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 the older ones have got families and they're very structured. The, the younger ones um, are, tend to, the trend is to, to play on PlayStation at, at strange hours. And then, it came, and then it came about that way, that, that one of the, 
one of the recreational things that they that they can do, which I didn't know about, um, and has been popular among some players, um, is to is to take sleeping pills. Um, Zopiclone being the being the brand, uh, the most uh, popular brand, and um, and it, it causes a uh, or it produces a a, a high um, for them, and and taken and can be taken with with alcohol as well. So the article was really kind of having a having a look into that, and and we found you know we, we found that this is this is something that is on the party scene. It's very difficult to um, kind of get numbers on it, but it's certainly something that. Um, that has since been picked up on by some of the tabloid um, uh, reporting. Uh, I think it was in February. Uh, there was a report that an England player was uh, was uh, struggling with it as well. So that that was the genesis of the of the story. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, uh, the other day actually when I was doing the research for for, the, for this episode, I'd noticed that it was it had been picked up by some of the tabloids, which is surprising really that it hadn't been. Given that you wrote about it in May, that it was it was until February that they hadn't. It felt like the yeah. type of thing that that you can imagine the tabloids would be able to spin into something that might be quite. Um... Yeah, we, we're always uh, we're always moaning about our stories not getting the credit or projection they deserve, and, and maybe this was this was my moan because I did think at the time I thought actually this is a it's a really good topic and nobody's um, uh, nobody's picked up on it. Um, Maybe it was just like the timing of things. Yeah, it was in the middle of lockdown pandemic and other things going on in football. It uh, wasn't quite as important um, at the time, but I still thought it was a really relevant story. And, and eventually, um, you know, because it is an issue, I think other other people have kind of cottoned on to the fact that there is something going on there, um, and maybe there's something that needs to be needs to be done. Well, I suppose that kind of brings me on to the next question, then, Mike. So, is 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 it is it common for footballers to take sleeping pills, and what exactly would they need sleeping pills for? So, sleeping pills it has been part of football culture for for quite quite some years because because players can get them for say the night before a game um, or. I think some of them do still nap during the day of a game if they're if, if it's an evening game, um, and from what I'm told is that that it, it can be it's you know given by a club doctor um, could you know this is part of the whole treatment yeah there's no, nothing untoward about that um, and then obviously um, there might be times when they would need one because of the adrenaline that just rushes through your uh, body after a after a game. It's very anecdotally, I'm told, it's you know it's extremely difficult to sleep um, after a night game. Get home um, and you know you can't you got all this adrenaline after big ninety minutes where you uh, and and so sleeping pills have been part of it, but this is really very very different in in terms of being part of the party scene where people would take them um, recreationally. I suppose the comparison would be recently um, the uh, balloons that they uh, they call them hippie crack uh, in in the in the newspaper parlance and um, it's kind of these new it's it's these new highs which somebody of my age is not very uh, not very up to date with which is kind of why why it's quite interesting to see what what, what young you know what younger people are doing it it always evolves. 
so the the kinds of the use of sleeping i suppose the use of sleeping pills and using sleeping pills mixed with alcohol as a high i, I presume then they're two separate issues or are they yeah and, and are they to a lesser or greater degree what the what the sort of because suppose overuse and addiction to sleeping pills is a problem in and of itself isn't it yeah so so yeah they're, they're two different two different um kind of uses of it um i suppose one is one is a use of it the other is a misuse of it because you know these things uh, shouldn't be used uh, recreationally um so it's yeah and i think that the the problems with it as well is you know because it, it is such a, a new trend that the test the testing is well there's no test so we don't know whether whether it's bad bad for you or not um long term but certainly from the i spoke to sporting chance about it um and i spoke to uh, some drug experts on it and said there is that uh, there is a uh, there is a danger of, of overdose as there are in 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 most drugs you know the it can be serious um and but obviously those long-term effects because it, it we you know you, you wouldn't know you wouldn't know at this stage how bad it is for people and then sort of i guess the um i was reading about it's not on the water band list is mm. that why they it's it's that they're choosing that drug as the the drug of recreational choice then well, I think I think the the use of it is is to do with trends and to do with what um, uh, and to do with what what young young people how they how they consume what they consume. Um, I think it's reflected in um, in quite a lot of hip hop music as well. Is very slowed down compared to to uh, to year, a few years ago, which shows kind of uh, that this is this has been used um, particularly in America. But, you know, before before England, um, so I think it's um, it's more of a. Uh, it, but the, I don't think that's uh, I don't think it's because it's because it's available that that's why they're taking it. But it so happens that this is something that is available very easily from um, from the club itself, who would who who would have sleeping pills, and also. Um, online with online doctors from the person i talked to in the article he said it's very very easy to to um go online and uh i think i suppose you call it self-prescribed because you're telling the online doctor what your symptoms are um to get the, the to get the to buy the prescription um and and he said it was extremely easy to buy on on the on the internet as well so you're dealing with something that um is readily available either on the uh, on on that market or through through the workplace um one thing i'm wondering mike which i'd imagine people listening would probably ask would be why why is this particularly like a football issue I, I, do you know what i mean like why is it a is it is there a high number of footballers is there a something that's this particularly the footballs are particularly vulnerable to um no I, I think it's really difficult to know about the numbers because when i spoke to the pfa they 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 were saying that look we haven't got we haven't got data to say that this is a problem whereas sporting chance were more like look yeah we've heard that this is this is an issue um and we would deal with it and uh, they obviously protect their the 
they uh, people that go to them they're, they're not going to say how many um people that they've treated so it's a it's a really difficult one to to know about how prevalent it is but i i would say that it's more to do with the trend of, of it's to do with culture you know and, and how people are consuming things you know i'm i'm of an age where if you spoke to um your, your you know your average 20 year old who's going out on the weekend they, they probably wouldn't understand some of the things that i did when i was their age um, just as much as I, I wouldn't kind of i'd have to do some pretty um, you know strong research find out what kids are doing um, these days themselves is it one of them things then do you think because maybe the people who were who were kind of responding to it is a is a is an issue or are being questioned as it's an issue maybe because they're of a certain age they're not recognizing it as quite as big a problem as it could be it, it's it's a not misunderstanding of it potentially. I think it's people you know it's um you know like I say it's untested so it's not like you know it's and it, and it seems to be that it's not uh something that is that visible in terms of um in, in terms of the day after you know these footballers are still training on it um uh, training the day up they're still turning out to work it's just part of the part of how they're consuming what whatever it is they are socially um but there was there was a case um that i referenced in the article that there was a um a player who did seek help uh, from a residential um uh, residential rehab for 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 a certain amount of time so it is a problem. Um, it's certainly a problem. It's difficult to say how much it is. I, I do think it's more. It, it is more about the, the culture of, of how people were certainly going out um, before lockdown, and maybe and maybe also kind of house parties as well during lockdown. Yeah, we we did we did an episode some months ago with um, a guy called Scott Davis who used to used to be a football. He used to play for Reading. And he dropped out of the game due to a gambling addiction. And I suppose gambling in a similar sort of way can go very under the radar in terms of an addiction, can't it? Well, in, with gambling itself, you know, you're dealing with um, something which is you know, very invisible, you know, and it's while it's so self-destructive, there's no outward signs. Um, you know, there wouldn't be anything physical uh, changing with you, um, you know, immediately anyway. So that's why it's very difficult to, to kind of, to pick up on these things when, when people do have problems. And, um, certainly I think, um, yeah, it's not something like I say, it's not, sleeping pills are not, uh, they're, they're not banned by WADA. So you're not going to see somebody failing a drugs test and being banned for this. Um, you know, but it's still it's something that people are doing. If they're taking alcohol with it as well, obviously alcohol isn't isn't great for you either. So it it it's certainly um, it's not a great combination. And, and being untested as well, it, it has has a real element of danger. So I guess then, with regards to we were talking a little bit earlier about there being sort of two separate sort of issues. One with the the mixing with using it as a recreational drug and also mm. sleeping pills as a as a kind of uh, being used sort of more broadly in football. Is that, a, is that a particular issue in 
amongst footballers because I was reading as well about one of the issues that a lot of footballers complain about is that because they take a lot of like energy gels and things like that throughout the matches taking a lot of sports drinks on they do find it very difficult to sleep and obviously with their timetables are often a little bit obscure with with travel arrangements and that type of thing it seems like it may be a bit of a natural consequence of that potentially yeah I think it's certainly part of it's certainly part of football, professional football culture, that that people would get given um, sleeping pills, uh, and you know, throughout throughout my time covering covering teams, you'd hear about uh, you'd hear that yeah, that players would take a would, would take a sleeping pill to because of I mentioned the adrenaline there, but you, you know, you're absolutely right. You've got a lot of uh, you know, you've got a lot of that. Uh, a lot of those energy drinks and everything coursing through through your body it must be very very difficult to to relax and and, and get sleep so I, I can certainly I can certainly see uh, it, it's just so difficult to kind of kind of put numbers on it as well that, that that's that's the problem I think um, that, that you don't really know how how bad it is but certainly for the piece I did there were Anecdotally, there were a number of cases where it was where, where this was an issue. And you said that at the top, Mike, about when you published the piece originally back in in May, which was which was sort of right in the middle of the, the sort of first lockdown, and, and mm. football was kind of on on hold at that point. Why why do you think it's it's something that isn't getting as much attention as it as it potentially should? Is, uh, is it kind of more? I suppose, like, so we we do a lot on this podcast, obviously, mental health based around antidepressants in football and footballers being not mm. wanting to talk about that type of thing. Does it fall kind of under the same umbrella, do you think? I think so. I think it would be a case of, look, the, you know, these new trends, you know, they don't, they don't particularly get, you know, like, like I said, they're not particularly picked up upon because they're new and, and people are not, you know, until until a player gets uh, caught doing the hippie crap balloons, you know, I would never have known it was a this was this was a thing. So and and now I do. So I suppose it's the reporting of it, and when it becomes a problem, I think if if, if there were so that there was that piece in in February, um, there was my piece last year. I think the more that it the more stories that we hear. The more it'll become, um, it'll become part of something that people look at. That maybe actually we can't. We've got to have a look at how much is being distributed or being allowed uh, for these players to have, because you know, from what I'm told, it's it's not uh, it, it's not particularly difficult um, to get them, um, and 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 yeah. So I, I think it increasingly will become um, will become. Uh, reported on it feels like one of those things where it may take something really horrific to happen for them to to, to do anything about it if you see what i mean yeah i hope not but uh, you know the, the the thing with the with the balloons is that it's um it's certainly it's, it's front page news when when a when a player gets caught on his you know on, on his snapchat or whatever doing it but you know you don't hear that it's that it's you know nobody's had a you know thankfully nobody's had a severe injury or or, or anything from it uh, or severe illness from it but um 
but yeah, they do say it's potentially it's potentially harmful as well. So so that that has to be listened to as well. But you, you know, it's um, it's difficult. It's really it's a difficult time, I think, for to pick up on these things because I mean, from from what I hear, players are drinking less less alcohol than they would have done when um, you know the, in the eighties and nineties um, because because of various things and, and socially people are changing the way they socialize and consume things all the time. And, and it's difficult to really get a handle on it and really be completely on top of it. You were, you were talking there, Mike, about maybe some of the sort of spotlight that goes on players if they're, you know, like with the, with the hippie crack and with the, the balloons and what have you on, on their Snapchat or on their Instagram story or whatever it might be. Do you think there's an element of this where, because they, because players know that, you know, it went, there was that video, wasn't there, of Jordan Pickford necking a, a, a pint at the box in that, that was going viral and that type of thing. And players know that anything that they do that's like that, that's that's caught on camera, which it inevitably will because of their kind of profile, it, it will end up on the internet and it'll get them a load of abuse probably. Do you think that kind of forces them into exploring things that can maybe be more covert, like like this type of thing maybe? Yeah, I, I I think it's I think the the, the wider point of social media is that I, you know I think that there's going to be a lot you know that we've already seen that players have got social media managers now rather than kind of saying what they feel themselves and I think there's going to that while while it's a great connection between fans you know that in some ways that they, they've never been further away as well because mm. they're quite removed from it I, I think I think it's Certainly, uh, if I'm thinking back to the story, I think that so I, I was told like players at house parties um, uh, taking sleeping pills with with um, with alcohol. So you you think and, and at, which is a private setting, obviously. Um, and yeah, it's you know it's very. Um, it, it, I suppose it can be done very privately compared to if you're. Um, Doing something you shouldn't like, um, you know, smoking shisha where there's uh, out of a shisha pipe where there's where you can be caught caught quite easily with with long lenses. So yeah, it, it certainly um, it, it it's it's potentially a very kind of it can be a very private uh, consumption. And you were you were talking before, Mike, about the about the PFA that you'd spoken with mm. the PFA, and I and I remember that you tweeted, which was how we we came back to, to, to talking about the article because I remember when you tweeted it originally back in back in May but I think you tweeted saying that it was still an issue and at the time of writing the PFA didn't have any concerns about it do the PFA is this something that the PFA give any guidance about to players is you know the fact that you've raised it and it's been in a couple of tabloids newspapers as well there is clearly a, even anecdotally some some misuse of of, of sleeping pills do you know of anything that's happened subsequent to those conversations? No, I don't actually. Since I don't, because I haven't really picked up, I haven't tried to do another story on it. So it was at the time that I wrote it, the PFA said from their welfare team that there wasn't, that we're, we're not getting, we're not getting reports of people, you know, addicted to this or anything like that. But, you know, would you, you know, what, why would your union really know anyway um, if, if this was a problem? um so it's yeah I, I, the, the reason why i said why i tweeted was it still a problem is that is that these 
you know, reports. Yeah, I think there was another one which wasn't front page as well. Um, you, you hear about, and, and you hear more and more that, you know, people are, um, that some players, and I'm not talking, I'm not saying like every, you know, every, uh, every player is, 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 is doing this. You just hear, you know, from the, why, why I originally did it was that you did hear that some players, this is, um, this is, what they do recreationally and um i suppose that kind of sort of nicely brings me on to the next question which was about i mean that i thought that was interesting you said that michael but why would your union know if you were misusing i mean why you ring them up and tell them what you're up to just and one of the things that i I mean we did an interview with um with michael bennett who i know you've you've obviously referenced him in another article um and I, i remember speaking to a championship footballer a while ago. Um, and he was saying, I was basically asking him, like, if you have any issues with addiction or mental health or whatever it might be, do you know where to go? Like at your club or at the PFA or whatever it might be. And he was, and he, he was basically saying, well, I've never really needed it. So I don't really know. And I, and that kind of said to me that everything feels a little bit reactive rather than proactive yeah. in that sense. And we obviously discussed before the episode a little bit about, sort of academy system in the UK, which was a, a you'd written another article which was on the back of the death of, of, of Jeremy Whiston. And do you think the issue with the sort of sleeping pills is maybe a little bit of an exemplifier of a bit of the lack of care that football clubs have for sort of well-being of players? I, I, I probably I probably disagree with that. I think that there's there is a lot of care um for for um for players. I do think that um, but there are there are serious there, there are problems with with the academy system. I think with the w- w- what you're saying about these um, about whether it's signposted or not enough for the players. I think the PFA from from working on the Jeremy Wisdom piece, the PFA was saying that yeah we're actually we're speaking to our members at the moment and trying to trying to get from them how they would like to access the help. Um, if they're struggling with their mental health, they they want they want it to be led. They want to know from the players how to do that because at the moment it is there for them. But it's like you say, I think um, it's got it has to be found by the players. It has to be used by the players, and it's a really difficult it's a really difficult balance because you want to you have to help. Um, people who are struggling you have to have people that want to engage as well mm. and that's I think the problem or not the problem like it's it's what the PFA are really trying to do and, and they, they did emphasize that that they're going to try and make it more um, more more almost like service-led rather than just right we're here for you if you need mm. us be, be a lot more proactive in trying to help people um, and that was that was from talking about players leaving the academy system, but I'm pretty sure that it would it would um, be relevant to people with other in other situations um, who are who are struggling with their mental health. Yeah, I, I got the same kind of um, similar similar conversation I had with Michael Bennett as well. He was you know he said the same sort of things, and I think it's for them it's learning about isn't it about. You know, it, 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 not just saying if you need us, you can call yeah. us. It's 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 
being like people don't need to make the first step the first step will already be made yeah. for them that they can access it quite easily i also had a conversation with um sam hutchinson um last week for an episode mm-hmm. that the sheffield wednesday midfielder and we talked about um lee collins who, who also sadly took his own life very recently um and he actually said that he wasn't that surprised to hear about a footballer taking their own life and he doesn't think it'll be the last time that it happens you're obviously it's obviously a, a topic that you're have an interest in that kind of well-being of players and welfare and that type of thing is from your experience of talking to players is that something that you would concur with with regards to to, um, to, to, to mental health within football i think it's um the way that i did on it the piece that i did was around academy players so i so which is um so it's quite difficult to know about the pressures where about older people uh, older players but certainly with those academy players i felt um it was just it was you said that you said i've got a real i've got an interest I actually just uh, kind of stumbled into the story really because i just got asked really last minute to cover the coroner's case uh, where jeremy whiston's uh, parents uh, over um over uh, the phone rather than in person so so i covered that and then and then it it, it got going from there really so i i just and then uh, it was just this um the situation that the academy players find themselves in is is a very very um that is very pressurized um i think it's they become scholars at 16 but really there's a lot of work a lot of their work goes in you know 10 years before that you've got these kids attached to clubs um very early and with that brings a lot of pressure i think and then when they and then when they get what i found was when they get out of it there's just a real sense of loss of identity because i am a player at a premier league club and then you go then then you're not and that's very difficult to deal with for for people mentally um which is what a lot of the lot of the piece was about and uh, i spoke to somebody um at uh at, at go again who is backed by one of jeremy's best friends um, who help people with with um with mental health problems leaving the game and they they likened it to you know real trauma um that that you would that somebody who was maybe like an army veteran after doing having 10 years of service and then coming out of that um, and that loss is is something which is um, which is very very difficult for people to deal with. Yeah, I think it's it's. I mean, I think that we could you know you could do a whole series of episodes about about academy yeah. systems and and some of the problems with them. And I think you've I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head. I think it is about it's about identity and it's about self esteem, isn't it? And I think yeah. That I mean we've. We we had to, I remember one of Ryan, one of the other lads on the podcast was talking about the players that Tranmere get that come from Liverpool. So we get lads say you know, someone like Jason Kumas, for example, who came over when he was sort of 15, yeah. 16, and he was basically straight into the first team almost, you know, 18 months after he'd arrived. And he was he was ready. To, I mean, Jason Kumas is kind of a once once in a generation talent for a club for a club like us. But someone like that who was able to go straight into the first team. We've had other players as well. But then we'll over up times we'll get players who come over at 22, 23. We got a lad called Jack Dunn that came over on loan when he was 22, and then we signed him permanently at 23. All he'd ever played was youth football, 
and all he'd known was being a Liverpool player for you know the best part of 15 years yeah, and he'd yeah. gone on pre-season tours and he's gone away with the club and and then all of a sudden we were a National League team at, at the time and then he turns up at Tranmere and his, one of his first games like away at Geisley and, and, mm-hmm. and the, the drop-off is huge you know he's on the bench for like pre-season games against Real Madrid and stuff and then all of a sudden he's he's yeah. playing in front and, of 1800 people yeah. and that's what so I spoke to, to uh, Theo who's a, who's a um, He's a personal trainer now, and he's um, he left Man U, and he said it was that it it was it was actually it's like the status. It's like you, your friends say to you, where, you know, who you got this? Who you got this week?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm playing at Wakefield, like Wakefield." And he said, "And and in his and he said like, you know, it wasn't so long ago I was saving shots from Paul Pogba in training, and now now I'm, I'm playing on a." Um, on a really, you know, on a dismal night in in Wakefield, and and uh, you know, going down the leagues, um, and a word that the that some of the players that I spoke to used uh, it just kept cropping up was the word crumble. He said he said some people if they don't know if they haven't got it um, right in their head they can crumble because they've had they've had this academy life with a lot of. Um, a lot of money which goes down when when you leave um, and the status as well and everything done for you all the best food that, that um, uh, all the most nutritious best food that you could want um, for lunch every day before you go go home and it and then suddenly for that like you called it a drop-off and that's what it is it's and I think it's absolutely great that the PFA have got things in place so you can so that young players can educate themselves but there's, I think, there's always that that kind of battle between. But actually, they're, they're telling me that I've got to be dedicated 100% to become a football player. So how can I do that and and do studies as well at the same time? Mm. Um, I have to be dedicated to become, to make it. Um, and of course, even being dedicated, as we know, doesn't mean you're going to make it. And and then you can be left. Um, you know, it can be left in a very difficult position. Yeah, I agree, and it's 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 um, it it's it it just kind of means that they're just putting a a really difficult difficult scenario where it's like you, you have to park everything in order to make it, and then if you don't make it, mm-hmm. it, it you're kind of in a in a you know it's like it, it it's very easy. I think a lot of the things to concentrate on. Oh, what are they going to do for work, or you know, what are they going to do for jobs, and I certainly think. It's not even so much about that, really, because it's 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 more about, as you say, like the status and the the lifestyle and the the you know you go from you know you're talking about um about that chap there he he was he's saving shots and Paul Pogba who's now World Cup winner and one of the most famous sports people in the world and you think you, you peaked you you know in your own head your life's peaked when you were sixteen like what have you got to kind of yeah. desire it- after. It was an interesting one because he he always said that he knew that he knew it wouldn't last forever. Or he knew it, it it might you know even if if he made it into his thirties as a uh, as a Premier League goalkeeper, you know it doesn't last forever. Um, and he always had it in his head to do something else. And and I think there are there are opportunities there to do other things for footballers. But there are I think one of the fundamental problems. That I, that I spoke when I spoke to the PFA, they said, yeah, we'll do the BTEC for everybody. Everybody does a BTEC. Um, but A-levels are much more difficult because the colleges want them in when we're training. 
So you're going to have to do a very, very special case to, to do A-levels. So to me, it's like, well, how's that really helping somebody get the best qualifications that they can? Um, I think that could definitely change. Um, and, and I spoke to, to JP Kisser, who, who was, um, who's, who used to play for Everton, and, and he was absolutely adamant. He said they, they should, you know, kids uh, academies should learn a trade while they're while they're playing football, which I think is is really valid. I know that the people say you have to train however ten thousand hours or whatever it is to make a pro, but I still think that there could be I think that's a really valid point that you could at the same time um you could you could learn something, a life skill, um, because because you know not everyone makes it as we know. So thank you for listening to today's episode. Before I conclude, I'd I'd just really like to thank Mike for giving up some time earlier this week when he was in the air. He he and a lot of other journalists were in the midst of a a Super League-shaped shitstorm. Um, And obviously these podcasts couldn't happen without people like Mike giving up their time. So I'm very grateful to to Mike. I know if if you're listening, Mike, thank you so much for your time and for helping us out with this episode. And if you, the listener, have enjoyed today's episode, hopefully you have, We'd be really appreciative if you could jump over to Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes, and give us a, a five-star rating and a review. And if you'd like to give us any feedback or you want to find us on Twitter, you can do. Our handle is at marking underscore man. And our hashtag is where's the talking lads. Our next episode on the podcast is out on Monday. We have an interview with journalist Mike McCarthy. Mike's son Ross tragically died from suicide earlier this year. Mike and his family are now campaigning for better awareness of suicide and improved access to mental health services and that's all in Ross's memory and that episode will be out on Monday morning in all the usual places so thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time